Hello, Aquaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk Appella. I am your host, Brian Alexander. Joining us tonight, we have some wonderful guests. This year has been interesting. A lot of people have had to make transitions, a lot of events and festivals. They were either canceled or maybe dealing with a virtual format. And I have the pleasure of speaking to some members and I guess the directors, producers, the leadership team. One of the bigger events based off the East Coast, we have none other than just Jessica Chen, Amanda Rader, and Dave Grossman, they are members, I guess board members of NE Voices based out of the greater Massachusetts area. How are you all doing tonight? Really well. Good. Thank you. Thanks Great. for having us. Thank you guys so much. So how are you all holding up in 2021? How's your year started? Any resolutions you're still holding on to? Oh, just, just taking it day by day, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to stay positive. I'm with you on that. Find ways to make kids happy and keep challenging them. So. Yeah, all three of us work with students, you know, both Dave and Amanda are teachers and I work at the Boston Youth Symphony Orchestras. So Mm -hmm. that's been one of the biggest challenges this year is, you know, keeping kids positive and trying to keep them engaged still all season long. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely a challenge. Are you all doing these kind of teachings and everything in person? Are you all virtual in terms of your day-to-day job? What's that like? We're in a hybrid system in in Plymouth where we're in person with half of our students on any given day, technically a quarter of them any given day. And then on uh, one day a week where we're virtual, but in terms of singing in Massachusetts, that's not really happening in, in schools right now for guidelines and safety reasons. So any musical performance stuff is happening virtually. That's sort of where, where we've been at, at least in my school, but uh, I know generally in Massachusetts. And I'm, I'm curious if my information is correct here. So Amanda and Dave, are you both music directors at high schools? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, awesome. And then Jessica, you work at the Youth Symphony Orchestra in Boston. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. Okay, so we're starting out strong. Okay. Okay, my information is at least correct on that front. Great. Well, I just want to thank you all so much for joining the show today. I always get excited when I get to speak to uh, event hosts, people who work on the leadership team, who are producers for shows, just because I know different parts of the country, they like to do things differently structurally. And you always just learn a little bit more about the acapella community when you get to speak to these different individuals. So with any voices, there's a lot that I want to discuss. But first, I want to know more about you all. So while you you all are part of the leadership team for Any Voices. You also come from backgrounds of music, as we just established. Can each of you tell us how you got involved in music, as well as your experience you have in acapella prior to Any Voices? Sure, I'll kick us off. Dave and I actually went to high school together. Oh, uh, awesome. Very fun fact. So we go way, way back. And I first discovered acapella in high school because the two of us actually went to an ICCA quarterfinal. And from there, I was like totally hooked. You know, I went to Boston University for my undergrad, and I was part of a co-ed acapella group there called the Allegrettos, performed with them, you know, throughout my my college career. And then I double majored in psychology and then I minored actually in music. And you know, after that, I wasn't totally sure exactly what I wanted to do, both in terms of my career and also in terms of wanting to stay involved with the acapella community. I eventually started working towards a master's degree in child development, and now I work at the Boston Youth Symphony Orchestras, which is a really nice combination of getting to work with students and kids while also keeping that music part that I'm really passionate about. And then in the acapella side of things, I had actually started off as a volunteer for Any Voices back when Dave and Amanda and a group of other people had first founded this 
Festival a number of years ago. Volunteered with them for a few years and then kind of just slowly got more and more involved each season until the past couple of years where I've taken on more of a leadership role as the executive producer. And then actually also concurrently, I had been doing a lot of volunteer work with CASA, the Contemporary Acapella Society as well, and then started working on their awards team. And now I serve as the director of awards on their board as well. So taken on a couple of logistical background administrative types of positions in the acapella community, as well as, you know, working full time in classical music, I suppose. So that's kind of what's gotten me to where I am today. <laughs> so you've had your hand like in all like all over the place in terms of music and acapella and casa and everything. Man, that's exciting. I like to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you stay pretty busy for sure. Okay. So how about you, Dave? How, how about uh, since Jessica mentioned the connection? Yeah. There, how about- when we were both in high school, I went to a singing camp and kind of accidentally discovered contemporary acapella and was really, really drawn to it. So my senior year, it was also Jess's senior year, we started a group of friends and, and like she said, really, we're just hooked on it. I went to I went to college, Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York, where I studied music education. I sang in the choir there and the chorus, but I, I also sang with their all-male acapella group, Ithaca Pella, and I directed the group in my, in my last year there and got to really do a lot of stuff with the organizing tours and album stuff as well, which was really exciting. And when I finished there, I came back to Massachusetts to teach. For a while, I was working with just like various groups of students from all different towns in random acapella projects, but eventually got the job that I have now at Plymouth North High School in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where I'm the vocal music teacher there. And uh, we have three choral ensembles uh, that I direct and four contemporary acapella ensembles. Wow, wonderful. Great. And lastly, Amanda, how about yourself? I've been a musician more or less since birth. (laughs) I think I was really steered in that direction by very enthusiastic parents. I did band and choir from middle school right up through college. My my focus was primarily in instrumental music. I I did not sing contemporary acapella at UMass Amherst, where I did my undergraduate degree. Although I I did sing in the, the Madrigal Singers and the Five College Collegium. So my exposure to acapella was strictly from the Renaissance and early Baroque <laughs> periods. I noticed some of what was happening in the, the Western Mass acapella community. And in particular, the, there was one group that really caught my attention. There was a performing arts charter school near my university. And Tony Lechner was, was teaching there at the time. He had a group called Five Alone. Just a phenomenal high school group. And, and so when I graduated and, and got my first teaching job in Marblehead, Massachusetts. I had unreal good fortune uh, to have a very, very supportive principal who said to me, we have one music class to offer you at the high school, but we want to build a program. So we're going to schedule you to teach here two classes now, and then we'll build it up from there. So what would you like to teach? So I got to make a big long list of everything that a good music department should have. And the first new thing that we implemented was acapella. And I really didn't have a whole lot of experience in it at the time, but I had a a wonderful model in Five Alone. And so I I, I pretty much tried to copy everything I saw Tony Lechner do and (laughs) kind of developed my skill over many years, kind of figuring things out by trial and error. I was in Marblehead for 12 years, and I now teach at Chelmsford High School, where I direct the choral and acapella program and teach a number of non-performance electives. That's pretty incredible that you kind of got to come into the role, and then they're building everything around to your liking, and you be a part of that growth. That's pretty awesome, and not a lot of people get to do that, so I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah, that was 
It was an amazing opportunity. Yeah. I'm very fortunate <laughs> to have started where I did. For sure. <laughs> wow. Thank you all so much for those backgrounds. I love just learning more about our guests and what brought them to music. And I think that goes a long way in terms of getting the various perspectives that we always get from our guests on the show is when we can bring people who come from such different backgrounds as well as who have connections. And that's great. You all three have particular roles on the board of Any Voices. I know, Jessica, you are the executive producer and the board president. Amanda, you are the director of hospitality and board secretary. And then Dave, you're the director of education and board treasurer. It sounds like you all stay extremely busy with this event for sure. And just kind of where I want to start is, you know, with high school acapella, we've seen this growth throughout the country in the last few years. Many prominent acapella events and festivals, they're either geared towards groups of like all levels or they seem to be heavily focused towards collegiate groups. It's not too often that we see an event such as yours, which is primarily centered on high school ensembles and educators as well. And that also has that longevity aspect to it. So what would you say makes Any Voices such an appealing vocal festival? And what do you think has contributed the most to its success? I'll say a couple of things. I definitely think that that education focus is really important. You know, we have eight members total on our staff, four of whom have an education background. I believe actually all four of them are current music educators in high schools and a whole like variety. I think Julia might be elementary school. I'm not sure exactly. But we've got a variety of music educators who are bringing that focus to this festival and everything that we do, all of the parts of our festival are viewed through an educational lens. And so even though the total festival has different pieces that, you know, are pretty normal for a traditional acapella festival, such as a competition, there's a, per a performance showcase or a professional showcase, but all of those, when we're planning those, we're viewing those from an educational lens. Like how can we make this really helpful for our students? What are they going to take away from this experience? So that is something that's really important to us we have that very specific focus from the start. The other thing that I think makes Any Voices really special is that it's a really positive and fun environment. With competitions, sometimes students get really stressed out or there's not a lot of like fun necessarily. <laughs> sometimes it can be really competitive and sometimes, right. quite frankly, a little cutthroat. And something that's really special about our festival is that all parts of it feel really positive, really supportive, really fun. During our Friday night competition, all of the groups are really actively cheering for each other other you know they'll run up to the front and they'll like literally sort of like stand almost like at you know like a rock concert or something like you see them <laughs> cheering and screaming for each other and they do that for themselves during the competition they do that during the professional showcase and I think that that positivity makes it a really fun place to be and it makes the students want to come back again year after year yeah it sounds like engagement is a major part of at least when it's an in-person event it, it goes a long way and something you mentioned Jessica that I didn't for some reason it just shot out to me is this idea of you have a lot of educators on your staff, both uh, Dave and Amanda. You know, I know that you all are choir directors and vocal directors, and that really goes a long way by having, it's almost like you have those boots on the ground, like right there, the people who know what it is that goes into making something impactful for students. And I, I'm curious uh, for Dave and Amanda, is that something that you're often considering each year when you're working with the festival? Being in those roles, are you looking at what you're doing currently in schools and in terms of what can we add to the event? What can can we bring in? What do the kids we'll, need? We'll often ask our students, what are things that you might want to learn this year? And, you know, as a festival, we'll put out like a feedback survey at the end of it to students. But every year I'll sit down with each each ensemble and we'll sit down and talk about, you know, what workshops were good, what were the positives of this experience, what could be different. And I think it is really helpful for us to have that direct feedback and be able to use that as we sort of plan each year. 
I think also having firsthand experience working with teenagers, you know, understanding the the social emotional dynamic. I think that's a big part of why we've been able to craft such a positive culture around our festival. Our festival was actually born out of a desire to create a competitive experience that really downplayed the competition and created more of a sense of, of community, you know, learning together, learning alongside each other and learning from each other. Because we had we had seen, as Jessica alluded to, you know, just, just how, how cutthroat and how negative competition can become if you're not approaching it with the right mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been so rewarding just to, to witness the relationships that have formed between the groups. You know, we've got some schools who have been coming to this festival's since the very beginning and just a really wonderful sense of community and we see that extend beyond the weekend of the festival itself you know these kids are seeking each other out at varsity vocals events and the massachusetts drama festival and allstate and just always cheering each other on and excited to see each other succeed that's been really lovely to witness yeah that's pretty incredible and something that you all keep alluding to which man it's so amazing to kind of hear is this idea of it's I think it's described on your website, almost like an optional competition aspect of the the whole event, which is really interesting just because normally when you're discussing acapella, at least in the circles I've discussed it with, I guess, collegiate people and of course, semi-pro level people and stuff. The first thing that comes out when you talk about events is competition is the first thing that's like always at the forefront. And the the other events are wonderful. You know, we have Soul Jam, we have the boss and we have laugh and things like that. But you, you hear so much about that competition. I'm just so amazed that. Uh, the way just listening to you all talk about you know what your students want at the end of the day and it sounds like and feel free to correct me I'm wrong you know it's just more about the art it's more about performing and just that opportunity rather than how can we go and just be the best set in place at the end of the day and and especially you mentioned Amanda you mentioned the dynamics of it you mentioned the social dynamic and things like that and I'm just very amazed that you know kids around that age that these are the things that they're thinking of rather than you know it's easy to go online and see a YouTube video and see you know what award-winning sets look like and just kind of not to be phased by that I just find it remarkable and and something that I I feel we kind of also need to bring up I'm curious because we didn't really get to touch on is how did you all find your way to becoming, you know, the directors and executive producers for this type for this festival. Can you provide us with a little bit of context around that? I'll let Dave and Amanda sort of talk about since they were part of like the founding team actually of any voices. So I, I'll let them talk. I about actively them. remember getting the first email from Amanda that was basically saying like, "Hey, can we?" She sent it to me and, and a couple other people, and it was just like, "Hey, can we make?" something new and and the idea from the get-go was having some sort of competitive aspect but really making that not the focus and at least from my perspective it feels like over the almost 10 years of doing this now roles and responsibilities have shifted and changed i i always had a little bit of a hand personally i always had a little bit of a hand in the educational stuff but it wasn't until probably the last couple of years that i was sort of in charge of it and frankly by this year we have a team of a couple other people and they really did most of that work which was really great to see and they were also two like former students of mine and watching them craft this day of workshops was, was pretty cool but that that's sort of where where it 
went for me. To give a little background on the, the history uh, of our festival, I, I kind of alluded to this before, but this was actually, to give credit where credit is due, the first person who suggested this festival was Nate Altamari, who okay. at the time was in the Boston area singing with, with Fire Drill. Yeah. And he had approached me and said, hey, I'd really love to start a high school acapella festival. What do you think? And I said, that sounds awesome. I don't have time for it. <laughs> and that, that was the end of that conversation. A year or two went by and we had kind of an eye-opening moment in, in the program that I was directing. It, it became pretty clear that my groups were developing a, a bit of an unhealthy perspective around competition. Hmm. And I had a group for whom things did not go the way that they were expecting and they were really quite gutted by, by that. It was a very tough thing for them to wrap their heads around and it was a hard thing for me as a leader of that program to kind of grapple with like wow how, how did we how did we get to this point where we're unable to kind of roll with the punches mm -hmm. and so that was what made me rethink Nate's invitation I thought yeah you know I think maybe we need to take a break from competition as we know it and it actually began with a pretty lengthy discussion with my students some of them were really excited to take a year off from competing and some frankly were pretty nervous about that prospect mm -hmm. because if, yeah. if we don't compete what on earth are we going to do right. yeah. and so i asked them you know, if i can find something else that is equally worthwhile will you go out on a limb with me and take a one-year break from competition and they said yes so then I, I i went and i looked and it turned out at that time there wasn't a lot happening <laughs> for for high school acapella out of competitions and so yeah i had to go back to nate and say all right let's let's do this <laughs> let's make a festival oh my goodness uh, yeah re reached out to some of the wonderful acapella educators that i knew uh, in, in the community and a few months later any voices was born wow that that's pretty incredible and, and somewhat shocking at the same time it, it, it kind of feels like it kind of grew out of it, it still had the development aspect to it but it was just like you know alternative you know this alternate solution you know how do we fix how do we continue to help people grow at the end of the day and grow in their art and maybe even their passions a little bit really surprised i don't think i've ever heard the the origin story of in a festival quite like this one this is this is pretty remarkable i, I kind of want to jump in a little bit with that we have just a few minutes here but i wonder if we can maybe even just scratch the surface a little bit so now that I have an understanding of the history of the event. So I think what's important as we look at how festivals function and to recognize that they're it's almost like there are two sides of any voices. You're dealing with the festival pre-COVID and now you're dealing with the 2021 virtual event. If we were to look at a normal year, now knowing kind of the, the soul of the event, knowing what the intent was behind it, what would you see at a normal in-person event and how would you interpret the energy and the structure and the overall feel of such a festival? The overall feel, it's a love fest. We announced <laughs> our virtual festival that, that, one, that one of the workshops in our when we when we can go in person again will be just it'll be just be called hugs so that people can just give hugs and and people seem to really like that idea <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll try to be really quick, but I think that, you know, community is really, really important. I know that's something that both Dave and Amanda touched on, but, you know, the fact that we do often have a lot of the same groups that come back year after year means that there's a familiarity that grows mm-hmm. and there's a community that's there. And as a result, we do have, you know, we've got staff members now who are Any Voices alum. We had workshop instructors this past season and in past years as well who are also Any Voices alum. And I think that there's something to be said about that sort of community aspect where people sort of feel like it's not just like they're attending this festival the one time they have a great experience and then they move on it's Mm -hmm. that for many high school students they're coming back for all four years and then even after that they're finding ways to get involved and i think that 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 is really important to us okay so it's fair to say that you you get the the typical flow groups tend to be you know reoccurring groups that tend to come each and every year and I'm, I'm curious how far far would you say like the farthest group come from is it just local to the greater Boston area do you get like any out-of-state groups the largest majority would be ones from Massachusetts okay. we've got a few from New Hampshire that come regularly and then there's actually this really sweet group of elementary school kids who come oh, from nice. Connecticut which is really wonderful and we actually plan a whole day like a structure for them individually since they're much younger and you know can't really attend the same exact classes that high school students would. Last year, we had a group come from New Jersey. So I know that that was a bit of a trek. I'm actually not sure in past years if anyone has come further than that. I think David Amanda would know, but certainly there's there are definitely out-of-towners as well. Okay, perfect. Wow. That's stardom young is what it's sounding like here. This is awesome. On that note, unfortunately, we do have to take a quick commercial break, but don't go anywhere. We've been speaking with Jessica, Amanda, and Dave. They are the executive producer, director of hospitality, and director of education of any voices but and we'll come right back and continue speaking with them right here on Tacapella. You may not know this, but Acaville is a nonprofit. We're a community supported organization and the way we keep our lights on and keep the music spinning is largely through memberships and contributions. So I encourage you to be a member of Acaville. Not only will you support everything that we're doing and supporting the community and bringing great music and features to you, but there are some pretty killer member benefits out there as well. Head on over to Acaville.org. Check out the member benefits because we'd love to have you as a member of the Acaville community. And welcome. Talk Acapella. That's right. We're back on the show. We've been speaking with Jessica, Amanda, and Dave. They are part of the leadership team at Any Voices, uh, an all-vocal festival based out of Boston. I've just been enjoying this conversation immensely, just learning so much about this event because it's so different. I love the heart and soul of how this event came to be, and they've just been filling in the blanks for all our listeners out there. So we're going to continue going along with that. And something I'm, I'm curious about with any voices since we're looking at you know life pre-covid you know when you can actually meet in person and sing in person and have all the joy that that brings with it something i've been thinking about is the evolution of any voices so festivals typically undergo a certain growth or evolution over the years in order to maintain or possibly even grow attendance so i'm curious are there any elements of any voices that that are present today that may not have been part of the festival's early days from an educational standpoint a couple of years ago, we started offering students small group vocal percussion coachings rather than trying to push a lot of like vocal percussion workshops. Personally, I've, I found that it is very rare that a large group vocal percussion workshop 
actually teaches anybody anything. And I think th- those have been pretty effective. And we've g- and we've given students the opportunity if they are student arrangers to to work with you know a clinician that is well versed in arranging, and they can sort of sit down with them, and the clinician will look at, at what they've done and give them some some tips and feedback. That's just some stuff that I I can think of that we sort of have added on in years. So this personal element of like personal coaching, uh, more attention to the individual, I guess, or individual groups yeah. has kind of become yeah. more apparent. A lot of concepts, I think, okay. that acapella workshops frequently temp- attempt to cover in 40 to 50 minutes mm-hmm. frequently don't accomplish that. So we tried to find some other ways to make them a little bit more effective. Okay. I would add to that master classes have always been a part of our festival experience. We've always offered them to the competing groups, but in recent years we've expanded that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the last few years, haven't all of our participating groups? I think it's always been that even if a group wasn't competing, that they could participate in a master class. But but it's 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 not a, it's never been like a, a requirement. But we've also had times when sometimes a group's master class sometimes is turned into almost more of a, a discussion with with a clinician to just talk about how to run things a little bit more effectively and, and whatnot, which for some groups has been really, really, really helpful. So like focusing more on structure and f- how to function as a group more than just, you know, how to sing notes and how to, you know, blend and things like that, yeah. which you normally we, expect. We reach out to groups before the festival and say, you know, what do you want to cover in your master class, so that we try to match them up with a clinician that's going to maybe be more, I don't know how to say, we can match them up with a clinician who's more uh, experienced maybe in that realm. Okay. Awesome. Wow. Okay. That that makes total sense. Perfect. So I wonder just because I also have some more questions on Masterclass, but that kind of transitions us perfectly into 2021. So as everyone knows, no surprise, of course, we're in a pandemic right now. And so that has altered pretty much anything that you want to do, any kind of plans, things like that. And of course, that's affected any voices and you all have switched to the virtual format for this past weekend's festivities. So I'm curious, as you were thinking about 2021 and you're making the decisions about the event was there any hesitancy as you all contemplated you know should we do any voices in 2021 or did you just immediately know no this is something we're going to do we're going to make it virtual I think that we knew that we always wanted to do something. You know, we kind of made the decision pretty early on, like probably pretty close to the end of the summer, I would say, right before the school year started, that we were going to do it virtually, since we just weren't sure what that whole year was going to look like. But in terms of keeping the festival on in some capacity, we always knew that we definitely wanted to do something. Like we've mentioned before, you know, that community aspect is really important and giving our students the opportunity to meet other students from other schools and just sort of feel like they're all part of something together together was really important to us. And so, you know, of course, while we're bummed that we weren't able to do it in person, there was never really a question of offering the festival at all in the first place. Did you, and it's interesting that you mentioned the community aspect. I'm curious because you all seem pretty in touch with the community. Did you all receive any feedback from people ahead of time, like asking about the event? Because I know some people are just like, they look forward to anything that can kind of give them some kind of semblance of, you know, regular life where people talking about any voices ahead of time. Yeah, I'd say that we got some inquiries. We were also pretty, you know, like right at the beginning of the school year, I would say in September or so was when we announced our date and when we announced that the festival was happening virtually. So schools definitely had plenty of heads up notice. And then we also reached out to schools and Amanda and Dave and others had discussions with their students about what they would hope to get out of the experience, what would be most engaging for them, given that they spend so much time on Zoom and, you know, in in virtual classes. Like we don't want them to feel like, oh, it's another day of school. That's not the most fun. So what can we do to make things 
you know, the most engaging and, and exciting and still feel like they're part of something special, even if they're at home. Right. When Varsity Vocals announced that they would be going fully virtual this year, they, they rolled out their video competition with the stipulation that all the videos needed to be fully produced by the groups themselves. Mm -hmm. We could not hire outside talent for that. And this actually created a really wonderful opportunity for any voices. So many groups consider any voices to be kind of the kickoff to to the tournament season wow. and this year so so many of, of, of these groups are now trying to develop skills in, in areas that we have not explored before <laughs> video production is brand new to most of us so so it was great that we could address that in in the clinicians that we that we brought on this year got some really great feedback from the kids about that yeah awesome i didn't think about that aspect that you guys you know the festival offered so much in terms of what groups could be doing down the line so that's pretty incredible too i know with any voices you all have a, a pretty a pretty uh, robust staff you know can you talk to me a little bit about that transition to this new format with you know a lot of people who are so used to you know doing the in-person thing and now having to switch to these virtual roles that was there any was it all smooth? Did it just go as you all planned, or how did that work out? I would say it went pretty smoothly. I I, I spent a couple of weeks leading up to it doing a lot of the the work, sort of prepping the uh, the sort of online portal that that students and clinicians would use. And you know, I, I think that at least in terms of people getting where they needed to be, quote unquote, the, the right Zoom link and being able to communicate with each other and connect. We didn't have too many hiccups in terms of tech. And I think that I really felt like given what it was, a lot of the elements that we all feel and, and our students feel make this festival special, they were still able to, to happen about as well as they could. We had a little block where we had everybody back in the same Zoom and we were sort of, and, and we're presenting all the group's videos to each other that they've that they've submitted and the chat was just exploding with just you know encouragement and enthusiasm and excitement from students like about other schools and other groups and it was a really really cool thing to just kind of sit there and and read that happening and for a brief moment it kind of felt like you know like like the real thing you know it's 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 not a replacement for it by any means but it was <laughs> it was like hey you know we're, we're making the best that we can out of this right it felt as natural as it yeah. could be right that's awesome and it, it sounds like it, you might have just answered my next question but since you were speaking to how smoothly everything run would you say that you all felt that you executed the event in the way that you all wanted it to go? I think so. I'll just give sort of a quick rundown as to what it looked like, since I'm not sure that, you know, people who didn't attend the festival might not have that information super readily. So basically, normally any voices is two days. And so we condensed it down to one day virtually. We sort of figured that it was a lot to ask high school students to be on Zoom for, you know, two full days. So we condensed it down to one day and we started off with, you know, everyone in one big Zoom room so that they could all mingle and, and meet each other. And we did, you know, some just like icebreakers with everyone together. And then we had everyone split up into their various workshops. Like Dave said, he basically put together a, a portal on our website that 
took some of the things that we've liked from other virtual events that we've attended. And so we built into the website a chat function so that students could get in touch there. There was sort of like a Q&A section. There was another tab where you could see everyone could input like their social media information so that afterwards you can find each other very easily online. And that way, like all of that information was just there all of the time. And then there were workshops. During lunch, we had everyone come back into the big room again to watch all of each other's videos as sort of a virtual acapop type of session. And then we actually offered breakout rooms where kids could during their lunch break, they could go play games together, like Among Us and Trivia and (laughs) other things. But there was still kind of like a fun interactive element to it. And like, we were really hands off in that portion. Mm -hmm. Like we just were like, if you want to play this game, go to this room and have fun. And then they had an afternoon of workshops. And then at the end, we actually offered awards to every group for their video. And you know what we, they did really well in their particular video. So that was really fun also to kind of highlight some of their strengths that they offered throughout their performance. So yeah, I think that in terms of what we were hoping the students would get out of it, and if they had fun, if they were engaged, and if they felt like they learned something, I definitely feel like we were able to achieve that. Something else that was really cool this year, actually, is that one of the groups that attended was brand new to Any Voices. We, of course, hope that we'll see them again in the future in person. But I thought that that was really interesting because we heard that they had a great time, and I was really glad that despite the fact that they weren't meeting all of these other students in person, that they still felt really welcome and and felt really supportive by the positive community. Yeah. And I'm curious with that, just now that I'm, of course, getting a little bit more feel about the the attendees here, do you find that the people that come and attend the event, do they come in with a good amount of acapella experience or do they, are a lot of these people new to the art? I know that you said that you get groups who are, you know, who are repeat attendees at the end of the day, but in terms of the students and and their interest in acapella, is it something what you'd expect from somebody who's been in it for years or just starting out? It really runs the gamut, okay. which is what we hoped it would be when we first started it. Cheesy fun fact about Any Voices, when we were settling on the name for our festival, we arrived at our name because, you know, the, the N-E sort of hints at a, a geographical region, mm-hmm. New England or perhaps Northeast, but also we like the fact that it sounds like any, as in oh. any group, oh. any experience level. Okay. This is a, an opportunity that is open to all. And it's been pretty great to see that that spirit has stayed steady through the years. That is so catchy. I'm liking this event even more. Just, I mean, these little <laughs> tidbits I'm picking up on. This is great. Oh, uh, wow. So, man, it sounds like this event is just a full package and not just like from terms of the performance part. Once again, it just keeps re just establishing what you all said in the beginning about why the event was started the way it was and what its goal was. And I'm hearing that it has all of these elements that are just so conducive to, you know, a person's well being just outside of the music as well. It's just, It's great. It sounds like a well-rounded event. Something that we spoke on a little bit earlier was this idea of masterclasses. And so I understand that for this year, Upper Structure, you know, they're a well-known college acapella group out of Berkeley. So all all the groups that participated still got a masterclass. It was obviously very different than usual, but we did an open masterclass with Upper Structure so that they could, yeah. So other people, so students could sort of watch this happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So everyone's exposed to yeah. to them in some regard. Okay. So, and from what I understand, the group for groups looking to take part in your masterclass, they sent in a pre-recorded performance that was reviewed by clinicians. Is that how it, it was, works? Or could you explain that yeah, process a little so, bit more? So really what we did, looking at how much music video creation is a, is a big thing for groups right now. And, and even in post COVID, I think that, you know, music videos are still going to be a thing, but hopefully it's, you know, a supplement to uh, other things. But what we tried to do was make it so that students could, you know, they or groups were submitting these videos that they were working on and they were, and their masterclass clinicians were, we had somebody who's an actor and, and focusing on like acting for the camera and giving students feedback on that. We had clinicians who are filmmakers and not necessarily just the acapella world. It was people that make music videos with instruments talking to these groups about what they can do to improve on what they're doing. We had some clinicians who do a lot of work with audio production, since that's, again, some really new stuff for, for these students and these groups, giving feedback on these elements of these products that, that the groups are, are putting together and, and getting ready to submit for competition or even just to put out in the world. You know, I think if a high school acapella group is going to put something out to their school community, they're going to want it to be something that the school community goes, that's pretty cool, you know? And I think that that's, you know, an important piece for a lot of these, uh, a lot of these students. So we said, let's bring in people that are experts in these new fields that we're running into and have them watch these videos beforehand and then give the group's feedback. Wow. So yeah. So man, it, what, I, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record. So, but it just sounds like it's not so much focused about just any one particular thing. Like you're talking about group people can come in and really just develop themselves in terms of, like you're saying, the technology aspect, the visual aspect, the business, anything like that. These master classes were really developed to just really you know, just well round these students at the end of the day through people who have had that experience, which is crazy because now when you look at the acapella scene, no group is just doing one thing anymore. Everyone's yeah. their own business manager. Everyone's putting out videos. People are creating their own records and closets and things like that. And so, yeah, I'm like that. It's a perfect idea. It's genius. I think we really try to emphasize at the festival is that all groups, regardless of what prior experience they may bring, we're all in a state of growth. We all have uh, ways that, that we can better ourselves. And actually to bring it back to what you said before, Brian, about our, our open masterclass with upper structure, I, I got a comment from several of my students after the fact who, who they've been upper structure fans for years, and, and it really never occurred to them that a group like upper structure would need a masterclass. <laughs> so I think, I think to, to see such a, a high quality, successful group modeling that we too are here to learn and grow. That was such a powerful thing for our students to witness. Yeah, and that I was curious on why upper structure for your your master classes, but that just solidified it right there with what you were just saying. It's just a visual representation of like, hey, these guys are at the top of the game, but hey, we're all still learners and students of life at the end of the day. So, man, that makes so much sense. Were you able to like get any feedback on how the process was received from everyone? Because it, like I said, it, the virtual aspect, of course, changes things up. But you guys have been doing master classes for years. Was is there anything that anyone gave you any feedback on that they like really enjoyed or that, you know, this is just something like, yeah, this was, we had this down and this is what we know. It just worked at the end of the day. I think in, in terms of the master classes, and I can only, I can only really speak for my own students, but it was, it's been a really hard year and it's not just that doing some of this stuff is hard, you know, for, I think for a lot of students out there and just a lot of people, I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter what age you are, you know, 
we're all used to singing with other people and now we're thrown in this world where the only way you're singing is in a way where you have to hear yourself and judge yourself all the time and it's really really hard and it's really frustrating for a lot a lot of us and i know my students have have struggled with with keeping motivation through it through it all but after the festival i think part of it was literally just getting feedback from clinicians in these master classes a lot of them came came out of that and they were like you know this was really it was really hard and it was difficult to just bring yourself to to do it but they said it, it made it feel like it was worth it and and got them excited about further projects in the year. So yeah, I, I think that it was really helpful just to get that feedback. It was, it was a boost to a lot of attendees. Yeah. So would it be fair to say it gave them a lot of hope that they can continue on with acapella or music endeavors in spite of how long this whole pandemic lasts at the end of the day, that there's some kind of hope out there with what they're trying to achieve with their students? I would say so. Yeah. So where do you think, knowing all of this and kind of looking at the big picture of any voices, where do you think growth opportunities lie with the festival? In its current state, do you think you've developed that winning formula or are there more elements you like to see incorporated? That's probably a question for Jess. I think that you've probably thought about these things more than I might us. Be but I don't know. I don't know how hard I want to commit to them. I definitely think that I would love to see more groups come from sort of like the Northeast region as a whole. So I think that, you know, just even higher attendees or a higher amount of attendance would be really awesome. Like I said before, we've got a lot of group from Massachusetts, but there are so many great groups in the New England area in Massachusetts, but the states that are all around. And I think that there's a lot of really great opportunity for us to find even more groups and, and increase our attendance. Right now, we are pretty focused on high school students. But as I mentioned before, we do have a group of elementary school kids who do come. And so I think that there is some capacity for us to extend perhaps a little bit younger and, you know, maybe invite more middle school groups if there are actual elementary school <laughs> groups, which is kind of hard to imagine because that's so young. Of course, there are, you know, young kids who are singing perhaps in, in choral groups or whatever it might be who could also benefit from this experience. So I think that that's the great thing about having such a wide variety of educators on our team is that there are people who can really tailor these experiences to the types of students who are coming. So I think that but, you know, I would love to see that also happen in the in the coming years as Any Voices continues to grow. I, I will say I am surprised that there is an elementary acapella group. I've heard <laughs> of middle school groups before, but I can't even imagine the, the talent that must be there in order for you to be a part of an elementary acapella. They are so they, cute. They, they are the they highlight are, of They are the year. stars <laughs> of the festival. And I, at the end of the Saturday like workshops, we always try to do something where we, where we bring everybody together. And usually at like, the very end of that, we'll bring up the elementary kids to sing for all the high school kids on like whatever they're working on a song you know maybe too and like everybody just goes nuts and you just see these kids light up and i mean i think what's cool is like, i was actually just thinking about this as you're talking jess but like the first kids from school that came like what like the first time they came like those kids are going to be in high school like now right <laughs> i don't know i imagine like that that probably stays with some of them as just a really cool thing and then if it keeps them singing great yeah i'm like to have that support at such a young age from you know other kids and teenagers that's got to be insane and surreal with the last about minute or so we have left i think that there's no better group to ask this question to seeing that you all work with high schoolers in acapella involved in acapella based on what you've seen from firsthand with high school acapella what are your thoughts on its potential do you feel like there's enough interest from both students and the community at large just to kind of keep it growing and sustain oh absolutely they love it they're so drawn to it i think it feels 
to them like a very authentic form of artistic expression and it's one where they can put their personal stamp on it so what teenager wouldn't love that yeah that's a really great point that amanda brings up actually i think that that personal stamp is really cool like you do see we have a lot of students who are coming in trying to arrange for the first time or they're trying to record a song for a first time or a lot of the students do their own choreography for their groups and you don't always see that in other types of performing opportunities in high schools if you're part of a band most likely you're performing something that's already been composed or a chorus for that matter or if you are part of a musical theater group it's usually something that's been written already and the really cool thing about contemporary acapella in all forms but you know also in high school is that personal connection that you can have with it and the ability to really make it your own and make an arrangement your own even write an original perhaps but there are so many pieces of that that you have that control over and you can really as much as you want to or as little as you want to you can really invest that time and make it something that is a project that you're really proud of at the end of the day yeah i couldn't agree more with uh, you all's thoughts and just to kind of think of how you know with high school acapella it can be so artistically empowering for someone at that age and just to have that freedom as you're talking about i think that it's going to set a lot of people up for a road of success with that we do have to take one more quick commercial break but man i've been really enjoying this conversation i've been having with jessica amanda and dave from any voices so don't go anywhere we got one more segment right here on talk acapella want to learn from the best you should check out acapella masterclass where professionals at the top of their field show you how they became the best and how you can too. Learn from award-winning experts like Kristen Dennehy, Lisa Forgish, Trin Friss-Roundsfeld, Aaron Jensen, Blake Lewis, and more. We discuss topics like arranging, barbershop, beatboxing, composition, looping, social change, and things of the like. Go to acapellamasterclass.com to learn all the details. Acaville, helping you be the best acapella musician you can be. Thanks for joining us back on Talk Acapella. I've been speaking with Jessica, Dave, and Amanda. They are members of the leadership team at Any Voices based out of Boston, Massachusetts. I say this on pretty much every single episode, but I like extremely, extremely mean it. When I say it this time, go back and listen to this episode. I've just learned so much about the festival that I've never heard of a festival quite like it. The intention behind it, the love, the support behind it, as well as, you know, the trajectory of high school acapella where it's headed and i think that this is something we all need to be aware of and put throw our support behind because there are a lot of wonderful individuals like these three that i'm speaking with today who are doing so many incredible things for the art form and the community at large so go back pick up some pieces of advice and yeah just keep listening so as per tradition around here we always like to start off our final segment with some rapid fire questions we've learned a little bit about our guests but we're going to learn so much more about them and we're going to try and catch them off guard with 10 questions that we have so we want the first thing that comes to mind when we ask these questions so jessica dave and amanda are you all do we all answer yes three of you will answer (laughs) dave you're first That's the order. Rap is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Question number one. What's your favorite non-acapella activity? I really enjoy, I've been getting, I've been getting back into playing guitar a lot and that's been a lot of fun. And Playing my Nintendo Switch. Yes. Great. Cooking and eating. I'm with all three of you there. Great, great activities. Question two. Do you have a favorite podcast? 
I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. I do listen to Coralosophy just because some friends recommended it and I've had some nuggets of info for their, for teaching from there. I will occasionally listen to some podcasts that are on the Ringer's website. And I also like Conan O'Brien's podcast. I, I've got a lot that I really enjoy, but I'm going to have to give a shout out to Brene Brown Unlocking Us. Nice. Great. Great. We'll have to check all of that out. Question three, what's one current or recent trend you'd like to see done away with? In acapella or just in anything? Anything, even outside of acapella. Oh, man. I'm sure there's one thing out there that you'd like to be done with Anyone else answer? I have some examples if you need some inspiration, but I'll hold off. (laughs) I'm so glad that we're all struggling. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, this is evidence that we are all very hip. My mind is so I've I've been saying for years that I just hate (laughs) selfies. That works. Oh, boy. My mind is so blank right now. I can't think of Rompers. Rompers, wow. Don't like rompers. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I got nothing. I can't think of anything right now. You love everything that's going on in the world right now, basically. (laughs) Somehow I know that not to be true. (laughs) You know what's going to happen is like after the show, it's just going to hit you. You're just like, oh, wait, I don't like that. So, Yeah, that's probably going to (laughs) happen. That's fair. We can go with that. All right, next question. What is your favorite moment from past Any Voices festivals? At our professional showcase... Every year, there's always just kids at the very front of the stage having fun like it's a rock concert and the performers just eating that up and this back and forth happening. There's just frames of that in my mind every year. I would say the same. The professional showcase is really special, especially because we close out the festival with that. So it feels like the culmination of all of our hard work really coming to an end. And like Dave said, the students are so excited. They all run up to the front. There's a clinician maybe two or three years ago, actually Tim Bonjuani, if you know him, he has a child and he and his his wife and I believe his son, I'm sorry if I am misremembering that, but before one of the showcases, his family had come to watch since he had taught that day. And I remember that he said to his family that they needed to sit in the back because his words were, this is the type of show that gets very, very loud. <laughs> I thought that that was just really, really funny and really perfectly captured the type of energy to expect at, at our showcase. I'm going to give a very director of hospitality answer here. But for me, it's always, it's such a wonderful feeling of reunion, not only seeing the groups who come back year after year, but also seeing our, our wonderful clinicians and also our, our staff who, you know, sometimes some of them, I, I only ever see them in person at the festival. And it's always such a wonderful feeling. We host the, the festival at my high school and just to see all these wonderful people come walking in the door and to know that we're going to make magic over the next two days is just about wonderful wonderful all right next question i definitely want to know this what is the best restaurant in boston popeyes is there like a, a different popeyes from the chicken nope. place nope <laughs> I live in the Somerville area near Davis Square, and I'm pretty partial to Foundry, which is kind of right in the heart of the square. Okay. Type of food? What is that? It's like a gastropub type of food. They have really great, you know, burgers and and pizza, and they have really good poutine. So I would recommend that if you ever go. I'm going to go with Number 9 Park. Number 9 Park. Interesting. And what what kind of establishment is that? Uh, You know, kind of of foodie (laughs) frou-frou. Okay. (laughs) Wow. My jam. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm adding them to the list next time I'm in Boston. All right. Next question. What movie will you always watch when it's on TV? 
West Side Story. Oh, good one. I'm a big Lilo and Stitch fan. Nice. I don't know why, but for some reason, the first thing that came into my head, and I don't even think they really have this on TV ever, but it was Good Will Hunting. I don't know why. That's a good one. Man, just solid movies. All right. Cats or dogs? Don't let my cat hear it. But dogs, <laughs> I, know that's, I mean, I love my cat dearly. He's basically a dog, but oh, right there. Getting some pets on stream, I love it. I like both, but I grew up with dogs, so I will say dogs. Yeah, I'm really a big fan of, of animals of, of all sorts. <laughs> for, for the listeners, I'm currently being licked in the face by a dog. Lifelong dog owner, although I currently have two cats. Ah. So learning, learning to love both. Who is that? Right, perfect. All right, who is an artist that you'd love to see perform? live imogen heap and sammy ray mm. sorry both of them okay mine are super different from each other but one is jacob collier and the other is bts uh, and i'm gonna go with mumford and sons i love the variety there such a good artist what's one thing that makes you laugh anti-jokes just jokes that shouldn't be funny okay uh my friends good answers all right final question do you have an irrational fear Yes, I am irrationally afraid of snakes, and I should not put that out in the public, but I cannot handle them at all, and sometimes my friends will just send me pictures of snakes or post them on my Facebook so that I have to see them. In fact, I'm fairly certain that Jess has done that multiple times to me. If Dave hadn't said snakes, I was going to out him as being afraid of snakes, so he got to it first. I figured there was no way out. I feel like that's very rational, though. Snakes. No, no, it is. It's a rational fear, but my level of fear is irrational your level makes it irrational got it i am afraid of heights i'm not sure if that's irrational either but that usually gets me i get it i don't know i'm stuck on this one do i have any irrational fears or fears yeah i, I, I don't know i don't know that i really want to talk about about my fears <laughs> well awesome thank you guys so much fun learning more about you guys with those rapid fire questions we always like to end the show with something that our listeners can walk away with so we always like to ask our guests to offer some advice so it can be something that we've discussed previously in the episode something that's been on your mind something that might not even have to do with acapella so we pose that question to you all if you could offer our listeners what would you say some advice for current music making time. I think a lot of times as musicians, especially as ensemble musicians, we make music because it feels really good for us. It feels really good to make music with our friends and be in that and be in that space. And I guess my, my advice would be that when you are in the midst of trying to make music in the way that we have to right now and you're lacking motivation, to try and switch that and remember that yes, we can't have that feeling but we can still affect others in the ways that we always could. So instead of it being for us and that feeling of being with each other right now, let's make it for the people that can hear the music that we're making. My biggest advice would be to, especially to our students, but also to, you know, anyone who's in the acapella community, is to not be too afraid of taking risks. I think that especially for people who are sort of new to the acapella community or who are still kind of young and figuring themselves out, they see these other people who have been working in the community for a long time and are experts at what they do, whether it be arranging or production or branding or performing or whatever it might be. And when they try something, Thing for the first time and it's not perfect, they can get really discouraged. And I want to encourage those people to not give up because you don't see 
for those other people who have reached a certain level of success, you don't necessarily see all their failures leading up to it, but everyone fails at something or makes a mistake at some point in time. It happens to every single person. And I think that it's really easy to get discouraged when you are only seeing other people's successes and not the failures that they had along the way. So my biggest piece of advice would be not to be afraid of making mistakes or taking risks or, you know, failing a little bit because that's perfectly normal. And that's what will make you get to those successes more easily and will also make those feel even better when you get there. And I guess my, my, my pearl of wisdom would be that at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. So key with, with vocal ensembles, it's really essential that everybody feel emotionally safe and that there is a, a, an element of trust within the group. I think that's also a big part of what makes our festival run so smoothly is the great relationships that we have as a staff. And uh, so something that I really try to cultivate with my students and encourage them to always treat each other lovingly. It pays dividends in ways that they may not even know for a long time to come. Yeah, wonderfully said. I loved all of that advice that each three of you gave. Man, that was amazing. Something I'm going to keep in mind. And I think something that we all needed to hear. So thank you very much. If our listeners wanted to learn more about any voices or maybe even projects you all are individually attached to, where could they go? Well, our website is www.ne-voices.com. You can find all of our links to social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we just got on TikTok this year. So I know that the three of us as sort of the elder statesmen of the staff are not the most active on TikTok, but some of our younger staff members and also, you know, of course, many of our attendees or students are more active on TikTok, but there's stuff going on there. So you can follow us, our festival at each of those places. Perfect. <laughs> Quite the phrase. Uh, anything else you all want to plug? Dave works at Plymouth North High School and he leads several acapella groups there. And Amanda works at Chelmsford High School and she leads acapella groups there. You can check them out. Perfect. They're both great. Great. Yeah. Please go check out all of those groups. Give them support. Show them some love. And of course, go follow any voices. Hopefully, you know, one day maybe your group can uh, attend it. So we'd love to see that. As always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I, and be sure to go follow College Acapella on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I want to thank Jessica, Dave, and Amanda so much for joining us tonight. You all were just a pleasure to speak to, and just I love learning about any voices. So it's something that we're going to be paying attention to, and we can't thank you guys enough for coming and sharing with us tonight. Thank you for having us. Not a problem. As always, you can find Talkapella on Twitter at Talkapella 2Ps 2Ls. Go check out the website, talkapella.org, to hear previous episodes. And as always, go give Acaville Radio a follow. They are the wonderful platform through which we stream through. That's going to wrap up tonight's episode. For everything else, stay tuned.